discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal human beings. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. All right, hello. Welcome, everyone, to Star Wars From the Back to Tank, the Mandalorian edition, David. All right. Let's get off to the races. The Mandalorian edition. Put your hands together. Aren't we all just so excited? Our first live-action Star Wars TV show is finally here. We have been waiting for this, I want to say, for like 15 years. Yeah, because it's, it's something that's been highly anticipated. Well, years ago, Lucas was trying to pitch an idea to HBO. I want to say before he tried to, before he actually sold his baby to slavers. His words, not mine. Before he sold his baby to slavers, uh, he was trying to pitch a live action to HBO, and they snubbed him. Yeah, not only that, I I know that uh, along with that, Kevin Smith was actually supposedly in talks with him, and was going to be like a. Hmm. Uh, an entire series produced by those two. Well, I'm kind of glad that didn't happen. I don't think Kevin Smith is capable of putting together. I mean, he's an awesome filmmaker in his own right, but Star Wars? Oh, yeah, because he, he was a huge fan. Just because you're a huge Star Wars fan doesn't mean you can make a good Star Wars TV show. This is true. Although I'm willing to give him a shot. Bring him in to direct an episode of The Mandalorian during season two. Let's see what he's got. That'd, right? be, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be open for that. So, yes, this is the the Mandalorian edition of Star Wars from the back to tank. We will be here for all eight episodes of the first season, a show created by the big time swinging dick filmmaker, John Favreau. He ain't playing. He ain't playing around. This guy came up with this idea and wrote the script during Christmas. Rather than spending time with his family, he was writing the Mandalorian. <laughs> As we learned during the most recent Star Wars celebration. So we're going to do this discussion a little different than our normal back to tank shows that listeners may be used to, Dave. Yes. Uh, And typically we just go right into things. We start talking about spoilers, but this is also going to be a critique revolve combo show. There's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to be interested in finding out what's the what's the word when it comes to the Mandalorian. So because of that, we're going to flip the template around just a bit. And we're going to be doing this more like a standard film template type review. Uh, We will do the first half spoiler free, and then we will go to a break and then get into the, not just the spoiler territory, but also what we're going to get into the nitty gritty of the star Wars side of things. Like we're going to get really nerdy and talk about all the exciting aspects to this episode of TV, because I will say right out the gate that this show, this episode did in fact say what you want. There's some naysayers out there already. And um, 
this episode has already pushed the mythos of Star Wars farther than I would say 90% of the movies we've received in this new era. No, would you agree with that? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I do agree that basically this just by itself, the first episode pushed, made the universe much more larger than anything we've seen in the, in, in the past two movies. We can't say in the, uh, we can't say about the third movie yet because rise of Skywalker hasn't come out. Well, yet. I'd even say rogue one, throw rogue one in there. Solo is probably the only movie I think up to this point that has really, really pushed the world of star yeah. Wars. Yeah. I would say that basically this is in line with probably solo. And we're talking about live action films. We're not talking about the amazing star Wars rebels that just kicked open that door. Thank Thanks to the, our God, Lord and Savior, Dave Filoni. <laughs> Dave Filoni. <laughs> but like, yeah, not, we can't include like, unfortunately, you have to separate the animation side of everything because uh, let's face it, the animation side of Star Wars, mainstream audiences haven't embraced it as much as the live action. There was a study done, I want to say a few years back, and it was something like less than 5% of yep. Star Wars fans really get into the expanded universe, whether it be the animation, uh, the comic books, and the books. So yeah. when you have something like this, The Mandalorian, this is going to be something that's going to appeal to the what I call casual Star Wars fans. If you're not reading the comic books and the books and watching the cartoons – I mean, this isn't an insult at all. I'm not trying to be a an elitist Star Wars fan by any means, but you're a casual Star Wars fan. You love the movies. You like the movies. But but I have a feeling that The Mandalorian is going to satiate some of that. Yes, it's going to it's going to satisfy many people who want more. But I also think it's going to turn into a, a bigger feeding frenzy. I think there's people who have been who've been on the fence of being a casual and they're going to be like, all right, what else is fucking in this little Disney Plus? And they're going to be, oh, what's this? Clone Wars. I've heard about that. So this may be a gateway drug for people that m- might not have given the expanded universe a shot. A shot. Yeah. And I think that's why I agree with you that we have to take a look at this series and really critically break it down because there's so much writing behind it. It would be a disservice to actually just fanboy all over it because honestly the 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 series is aiming to look really good we we were all anticipating that's going to do very well however we have to seriously take a look at it and say is this series going to help carry star wars on and that's 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 a very important question you pose dave because if this was back in 2013 when the skies were 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 bright the birds were chirping then we'd be in a very different territory we're in a territory now where it's very dark for star wars unfortunately it is and not because i'm not a negative star wars fan i love star wars um but there's a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and there is a lot writing on the mandalorian and i and i hate to say it you gotta look at the numbers the numbers don't lie star wars is at a low point right now. well Box office wise, no, it's making a lot of money. But if they keep doing what they're doing, there could be potential issues based on various studies done by Wall Street themselves. Yeah. The the financial geniuses themselves have put together these snapshots. 
So there are a lot of expectations, Dave. A lot of people have their own ideas of what Star Wars should be or shouldn't be. So it is our duty today to walk that line, Dave, as you were you were getting into that. We will review and discuss this solely from a critical standpoint for the opening half. Yes. Because we have as a network, we're we're critics. You and I also do a Star Wars fan or Star Wars fan show, the back to tank where we just oogle and jizz all over the place for Star Wars. But we also have to maintain a little bit of critical credibility when it comes to something like this. So we're going to really focus on the critical aspects first. Um, Analytically, what worked and what didn't, or did all of it work? And we're going to focus on script, directing, acting, cinematography, visual effects. And on that note, Dave, give me your initial thoughts in a nutshell. My initial thoughts of The Mandalorian was, did I have fun watching this? Absolutely. I had I had a lot of fun as a Star Wars fan watching it. It's a really great entrance point into Star Wars for this series. But I like it's what you not said. perfect. I like what you said, though. It's a good entry point. It's a good entry point. Because I agree. I think people that maybe haven't watched all the new movies, but they've watched the trilo- the original trilogy, maybe the prequels at some point, they can get into this and be like, oh, okay, I can actually sit back and watch this and not have to know everything. Exactly. And, that, and that's why I say is as an entry point, it's fantastic. It got the job done. Is it perfect by far, by, by any means? No, it's not perfect. Um, it's a beginning. It's a beginning. Yeah. And we also... I think my expectations initially for this entire series is going to be kind of, I'm going to pull back a little bit because I, I had very high expectations for the series, uh-huh. but now seeing how everything's formatted and when you take a look at like what the working pieces are mm-hmm. with the directing and the acting and the, and everything else, I'm going to temper my my expectations now because at first I was like going, this is going to change the world. This is going to be world shattering. This is world shattering. This is this is a game changer. Yeah, and that's a lot of pressure. And to that's put a on. lot of pressure. Yeah. And I'll be honest, at the initial go, is this episode a game changer? Not really. It's it 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 it's still a pilot episode, and it feels like a first episode. Of just a just a series, it didn't leave me game changing feeling. Yeah, and ultimately that that route they took, we won't know the outcome. Yeah, and what it will do to the future of this show until way later. Because you're you're right, I agree with you. It isn't game changing. It isn't groundbreaking. I think a lot of is expected to just have this giant orgasm together and the 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 ground would split <laughs> and Star Wars fans would cheer around the globe. Yes. And that's unfair. I think a lot of I think us as Star Wars fans and I'm I'm saying you and I Dave we I think we were part of that. We're like this is going to be epic. It's going to change the world. And it, it it was an episode of television. It needs some work. Uh, although I think therein lies uh, some mistakes because you're also dealing with the very first episode of the first live action 
Star Wars show on a brand new streaming service. Yes. And in my opinion, this should have been earth shattering. And I'm not talking from a Star Wars standpoint. I think there should have been some of those issues worked out within the script. It felt a little clunky at moments. Um, so let's get into that. That's our initial thoughts. Uh, title of the episode, very simply titled Chapter One, written by John Favaro and directed by the great Dave Filoni. Uh, the synopsis, a Mandalorian bounty hunter tracks a target for a well-paying client. All right, so what do they do right here? Quite a bit, quite a bit. You yes. are pulled into the world immediately. That's number one. Excellent work developing the atmosphere and tone of the world of the Mandalorian. The teaser was about three minutes, roughly, which bleeds right into the first act. Yes. It started with the Mandalorian collecting a bounty. Smart, because we know who he is and what he's capable of all within the opening three minutes. Yeah, three to five minutes, which is really impressive when you think about it because normally it would it would take maybe i would say 10 what do they say 10 to 20 minutes to set up your character well if they were a, able to do that in the simple three to five minutes well that's the beautiful thing about teasers i'm glad that even though favaro isn't a television writer which there is a big difference and that's going to play a part in in our discussion a little bit later it's very different writing for television opposed to feature films. Yeah. And something that you have to do in a TV show opposed to a movie. And I guess you can compare them a bit. Uh, they do two different things, but they can be analyzed in the same under the same lens. In a TV show, you have a teaser. That a lot of. More recent TV shows have kind of gotten rid of because of. Not needing commercials. Typically in the old days, you'd have a two minute introduction that would grab everybody. And then we go to commercial break, the title sequence, and then we're back after commercial break. Yeah. This, so there was no title sequence. I was really surprised about that. So the streaming service. With the streaming service age and the era of the streaming service, we've kind of gotten away from those teasers. However, this was written with a teaser which then did go to a title sequence Dave which is very simple it was just the Mandalorian and it kind of yeah. moved towards us what, what, what I was surprised with and it's not the atypical Star Wars tease uh, opener you know what I mean like I was expecting what do you mean because all of our even our live action our cartoons have been very simple title sequences haven't they <sighs> just me recently if I'm wrong. just recently okay they've gone that route because right. remember they did that in Solo and no, no, no. I'm talking about our, our cartoons. And in the cartoons, we have yeah, just a title. They've done, they've done it. They've done it sparingly, but yeah. I was really surprised for the man. You wanted an movie. HBO like Netflix slash yeah. Hulu slash Amazon introduction. You wanted the whole, you know, cue pretentious title sequence. Yeah. <laughs> as, as funny as it sounds. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. I was expecting something, you know, like yeah, I give did me too. the theme song I, of yeah. like the series. Yeah, I did too. And I am wondering why they didn't do that. I think I thought that would have been really fucking cool to do this awesome uh, title sequence. So I, I do feel like they kind of missed the boat there. However, this is their own thing. And if they wanted to give it more of a cinematic flair opposed to a television flair, then ultimately that decision to keep it short and sweet worked for this show, especially if you wanted to grab people 
and then immediately pull them in. And also that may change with the second episode. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of times with the first episode, the template changes from teaser to first act. So you may see that change. You may say, you may see something go, you, you may see the teaser and then we go into that title sequence. Into the title sequence. But we'll see what happens in with the second episode. So they did a great job creating the atmosphere very quickly, showing us what type of world we're in, a little bit of a lawless world, not a lot of uh, authority necessarily. We get the idea that the galaxy has fallen in hard times. This is post-Return of the Jedi. That's something that we need to remember, which they alluded to a couple times. Uh, they said the Empire is not what they were, I believe was the wording. Uh, when the bounty hunter was offered imperial credits. Yeah. I thought that was actually a smart bit of dialogue too, was that you didn't have to go like in your face and give us a long winded no, explanation. Yeah. Well, that would have been awful too. I it mean, would have been talk awful. about exposition. Yeah. Exposition. That's the word I'm looking for. Ex- you, you were looking for like an exposition dump, yeah. but instead you just use one bit of dialogue and it just worked. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the beauty of how this opened up. I feel like the introduction, the teaser, the first act, even the second act was really good. They managed to get everything into place and help us understand the world, which is the most important part of your first episode of this brand new TV show that we don't really know what to expect. They have to pull us in. They have to explain things, especially remembering that there's going to be a lot of casual Star Wars fans coming in, people who aren't used to this world. They don't know they don't know about the Mandalorian. They don't know about most people don't even know what a Mandalorian is. And exactly. when I say most people, I'm talking about most Star Wars fans that call themselves fans because they are, mm-hmm. but they're casual fans. The ones that have watched every movie who wait in line, you know, seven hours. Those are fans, too. Yes. They're just not nutcases like us. The ones who read the comic books, the books, watch all the cartoons and keeping that in mind. This is all fucking new to them. Mm-hmm. They have never seen a Mandalorian, which Bo- Boba Fett isn't a Mandalorian. Jango Fett is not a Mandalorian. This is all new. The culture of the Mandalorian is something they're going to have to get into as well. Yes. For for mainstream audiences. That's why I think yeah. the first part, I thought it was a brilliant ploy or a brilliant place to put it was Carl Weathers. Using Carl Weathers in that first part, mm-hmm. I think, was solely f- to make the mainstream audience comfortable. Say, hey, this is a familiar face that you're used to. You've seen Carl Weathers in, in other other things that you may have liked. Hey, do you, you like Carl Weathers, right? Everyone likes Carl Weathers. So you, the use of him in, in the first— The human element. The human element. Which is what we needed. I think was— a very smart move on Filoni's or not Filoni, but Favreau's part because you have to engage. I think he understands you have to engage your mass audience, not just your hardcore fans because you're right as hardcore fans. Hey, we know, we know what Mandalorians are. We, we see the armor. We're going to be hooked onto that. But what about the audience that you want to bring in? You have to bring in, new audience you have to bring in that mass audience you can't write this for the elite star wars fans because we're gonna we're gonna be here already and that's why i thought that the 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 way that they introduced carl weathers like what you said that human element well it wasn't just the human element it was absolutely we needed it because up to this point we saw nothing really but aliens aliens. and a guy in a helmet Mm -hmm. which all of that works but for us to really connect 
um, you know, we're going to need a little bit more at some point. And I know we talked about that briefly on a preview show. Uh, are they going to be able to keep this guy in a helmet? And are we going to be able to connect with him? And we agreed that they could. Yes. They absolutely could. They I mean, could. Look, Star Wars is filled with characters where you can't really see their facial expressions. And yet they managed to really to really convey a sense of humor at times, emotion. So I don't think that's the problem, but we still need to introduce that human element. So we have more of a, an intimate, uh, intimate scenes, a connection. Um, otherwise it just feels like we're watching something cheap. So bringing in Carl Weathers into the episode very quickly, I thought was a smart move. That was one of actually one of my favorite moments, not only because it brought that human element, but also it again, again, if they found clever ways to quickly within 40 seconds, explain to us that everyone's kind of on hard times. Mm-hmm. Empire credits are not worth nearly what they should, should be. be. And the fact that a bounty hunter is willing to take half credit because empire credits are worthless. So he's willing to take half payment over Imperial credits says a lot. That was a smart decision from the writing standpoint, because we instantly understand that the world is crumbling. That is not what it was. That is not what it was. And especially like in their, I don't know. It was also their use of colors throughout every scene. Everything just seems so, I hope I use the term right, but it seems so saturated. It seems so, you know, like, kind of dirty dusty to a degree like everything is downtrodden i mean even when he's outside walking there's no happiness there is no happiness there's no bright colors yeah and well then it's not saturated it's desaturated it's desaturated thank you and then like the use of that throughout the first five minutes five to ten minutes made you understand what setting the setting was Mm -hmm. you know it's Yes, this is Star Wars because they have all these cool elements like the droids and the aliens and the, as as you put it, the guy in the armor. But they set the tone in the setting that says this is a bleak time. Yeah, this I is agree. a time when there's a lot of bad things going on. There's like a a power vacuum. Yeah, going the on. the aesthetics were good. Everything they needed to set up that motif worked, and the way it was set up. Ultimately, that's what we're talking about here. Anyone coming in, and that's our point here, anyone coming in wanting to get into Star Wars because the previews look snazzy and sleek, they're go- I think they could enjoy this. They're not going to feel left out because there may be three or four movies and a few cartoon series that they haven't watched. They can get in. This is a ground-level show. Yes. And it looks like they're going to slowly introduce new ideas to us, which is a smart decision. I, I think they realize they're not dumb. Disney isn't stupid. Favreau and Filoni aren't idiots. They understand that the majority of the people are going to be watching this, the live action. They probably didn't watch Clone Wars or Rebels, you know, or read comic books. And you can't write a show based on assuming that everyone already knows this, this ever evolving story. I think it's something that, Everyone in the industry has learned, especially watching like a series like Game of Thrones, where Game of Thrones was popular because, yes, it had that set fan base because of the books. But then the series realized that you can't base off a series just because of previous fan base like that love books. They have to do something different. They have to do things that are different from the books. 
and they had to reestablish they had to establish that and that's why later series of game of thrones are considered better than the actual openings opening mm-hmm. seasons exactly i agree so i guess ultimately what we're saying is that the world building was pretty good the world building was really good i mean they they didn't wait on it they didn't wait at all and they as i said they didn't just push the world of star wars forward but they all also pushed the mythos of the Mandalorian along in a way that most of the movies in this new era haven't been able to accomplish. In fact, they haven't accomplished that at all when it comes to the Mandalorians with words like the great purge foundlings, Beskar, we get the idea of the war the empire has created or the, the, the idea that the war that the empire has created has, has caused a bunch of chaos for them. It's been a whirlwind couple of years, maybe a decade or more. So, again, connecting it right back for the people who know, like you and I and other uber Star Wars nerds, we know that that's absolutely true. Goes all the way back to the Clone Wars, bleeds into Rebels. So they found nice words or phrases to world build instantly. Yes. Like, oh, the Great Purge. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, Beskar, which if you're a a Star Wars nerd, you know what that is. And we'll yeah. get into that during our spoiler section. Uh, there's also something called foundlings that I cannot remember. Have we gotten into that before? Is that a new, no, that's a new term. Okay. I, it Are just they, sounds is it like familiar? younglings, like younglings. Yeah. Okay. It's a take on younglings. We'll save that for the nerdy second half. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so this all will be very important for the development of this show and its future. Uh, It will need to extend the mythos, including developing or delving, I should say, into the Mandel culture. Oh, and that was that was easily one of my favorite scenes was that that's almost like that. It was a mystic scene between two the two Mandalorians, Mandalorian himself, and then the armorer. We don't even know the armorer's name. We can only just. know that it was the Mandalorian armorer and that whole dream sequence. It's so, it, it harkens to something that me and you have always said is strong. You're talking about the, the, the flashback, the flashback. Yeah. It, the, it harkens back to the mysticism of star Wars, except we're not dealing with the force. Right. Do you realize that we're not even dealing with the force? We're dealing with a culture. Yeah. And that, that for, that's going to be just the, engaged me right away. That's going to have to be the focus of the show. In my opinion, like, yes, the politics and the post era of the empire falling will definitely be an awesome backdrop, but that's the backdrop. backdrop. Yeah. And Favaro has already said that their focus is to try to stay as distant as possible, you know, because this show was written to be almost apart so that they wouldn't touch or step on the toes of anything else that may be going or being produced, right? Yes. So we know that the Empire, obviously, this whole thing is going to have to be the backdrop. But if the story is really about pushing the Mando culture forward and really delving into that, I think we have a win here. Yes. I really do. I really do. Because there's a lot of cool things. Because you're right, the romanticized idea of the the relationship between a warrior and the... um. What's it called? Boom. The person that makes the weapon armor, not just the armor. What's the other term? The, um, uh, the forger. The, the, yes. The blacksmith blacksmith. I mean, that's just, I mean, that is awesome. Oh, when they were talking about how, like when she said, I think a pauldron 
calls this, or when she, when she looked at him and says, "Oh, has your insignia been chosen yet?" Yes, that that made me go, "Ooh, that's that's cool." Yeah, that's I, really cool. Yeah, and also, Dave, let's not forget taking us deep into the into the bounty hunter world in a way that we've only seen uh, some of it in cartoons. Briefly, we've read in comic books and played in video games. But never in a live action medium media. have we been able to see these types of elements. There were moments, Dave, when he's talking about pucks and collecting these bounties. It felt like Star Wars Galaxies. You Do you remember that old MMO yeah. for the early uh, 2000s? Yeah. And it, there were parts that just it immediately brought me back to the gameplay of Star Wars Galaxies. Because that's how sh- that's how much the dialogue was written intelligently like they knew the right buzzwords to use right with for star wars fans with, without yeah. going over every everybody's head you know like say for example in a lot of sci-fi they use sci-fi terminology and it goes over the viewers heads and it just basically that's why people dub it quick uh know. go repair the anti-matter fuse inductors yeah. what it, it, they they term it they term it like I forgot what they term that type of sci fi te- uh, terminology when you use it in script writing. This du- however, douchery. <laughs> this <laughs> this however worked because they were like saying, okay, we're going to use simple buzzwords, simple words. We're not going to go over the people's head. People can associate bounty or uh, bounty with puck. That you can assu- you can uh, connect words with their meaning very easily mm-hmm. and it won't go over your head and that in my in my opinion is what need, what's needed in star wars if you want to if you want to bring in people that you know are mass audience that are everyday joes you want to bring in stuff that they can digest they they can take in easily and say Okay, I don't have to think about this too hard. I can enjoy this because it's not about the it's not about the uh the the terminology. It's about the story behind the terminology. Yeah. All right. So all those things worked. I, we can both agree on that. Yeah. Um I think ultimately the problem for me okay. and yes, there was a problem. The problem yeah, for I me agree. was somewhere in between all of that. Uh, the beginning was strong. The setup was strong. The world building was strong. And the final act was excellent. Yeah. The hook was classic TV at its best. TV writing 101. Grab the audience before the end credits. Mm-hmm. Great. Excellent. But there was this weird disconnect in places. And I'm not sure if it was the human element. Because we had nothing but aliens and people in masks. and. And maybe we needed that human connection to truly be immersed uh, because the moments with Carl Weathers were strong. Yes. The moments with Werner Herzog were strong. The best. Uh, There were parts that felt a bit stagey as well. For example, the Western aspects rather than it being a Western, which is what we kept hearing, right? That this is going to be a Western. And it was, it was, but rather than it being just a Western, because that's what you wrote to me, it felt like they were reminding us this is a Western, <laughs> this is a Western. with moments like the Mandalorian taming the wild bur- blurg, 
it felt like, okay, I get what you're doing. And it felt like a bunch of red arrows pointing at different things. Hey, guys, this is a Western. This is a Western. This is a Western. Remember, yeah. watch him right off. Like, the, you, you take that scene and compare it to the opening scene, which the opening scene is spaghetti Western at its finest, right? Yeah. It's a atypical, generic spaghetti Western scene. Guy gets upset. Because of a drink, blames it on the blames it on the hero or the protagonist, and basically says, "You owe me a beer." And a bar fight breaks out. Right, a typical Western scene. Yeah, and that I could digest more. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Like when you got well, to the scene where he's, you got to tame the animal, and it's taming the horse. Yeah. Yes, we understand this is a Western. Uh, it's a Western Star, a Star Wars Western, but don't slap us in the face with it. Yeah, and a know? good example, Dave, would be a Solo, a Star Wars story. That was also a Western. The entire movie was a Western. Yeah. But there was none of those moments where, hey, guys, you didn't get the idea that there were red you know, lights and um, whistles and arrows pointing. Hey, guys, this is a Western. This is a Western. Remember? Or, this, this is, is a like Western. A, it's a film noir because of, oh, everyone's faces in shadow. No, yeah, yeah. Not like that. There were moments like that, and I'm not quite sure why. Um, Maybe they felt like they needed to lay it on thick at the beginning so people understand the world they're in. But I don't think any of that was necessary. And there were other moments like that as well. It was a little eye rolling. Um, Yeah, it just felt like they were forcing it when they didn't need to because the setting in itself is Western. The archetype of the character is Western. Western. Yeah. Everything about the the motif and the theme is Western. So I don't think they needed to have red arrows pointing and these weird moments that were very heavy handed. But I will say I dug the Mandalorian's jingle a lot. His yeah. little theme song was very reminiscent of a spaghetti Western every time he would appear on screen. And I did get a little giddy. Especially when he first walked through those doors in the cantina and his song did. Doo, doo, doo. Yep. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, I love you. Yeah. But that's that's for that's for when we I, I think that for me, those elements. That, that's for our spoilers. That's section, for our right? spoilers. When we section. can get nerdy. Absolutely. Too. Because yeah. like this, this opening episode had me have nerd chills at various points. Yeah. But then by the end of it, I was kind of left going. Okay. Something's off. Like like you, I felt that there's something there was something wrong about it. And I honestly feel that one of the biggest elements that has to be addressed has to is its runtime. Yeah. I think that 36 minutes That's not that's not good. No. I I honestly feel You want more? Dave, are you Anakin Skywalker? You want more? And, and the funny part is, it's not about really wanting more. I think if you just... It needed more. It needed more because, just like what you said, if you take those scenes that seem heavy-handed and just give, flesh them out just a bit more, or even like more of those human scenes that really, really made this episode sparkle yeah. and... You know, give it a couple more minutes. Give it like two, three more minutes. I think this episode would be more 
digestible for a mainstream. It'd feel a little better. They, they, feel they a little were better. So, there was something off, and there was something off by the end of it. And I think it came together for me in the final moments. It did. The moment between IG Eleven and the Mandalorian, as soon as that moment hit, I was like, okay. I, I feel like they found themselves. I'm like, okay. The humor between the two of them, the fact that IG-11 wanted to blow himself up constantly, <laughs> constantly. like there was humor there and, and it, it was Star Wars humor and it worked for that scene. Um, but 36 minutes and it's over. And this is where I have my biggest problem. My problem isn't with what we receive necessarily. It's the it's the, the bit of the writing. It's I think it comes down to writing because it always comes down to writing for me. And this might be the problem that we have been talking about since this TV show was announced, Dave. John Favreau is a great director. I would never take that away from him. He is. Yeah, he's a fantastic. He's a fantastic. He's filmmaker. a great, fantastic feature film director, uh, feature film writer. I studied him in film school. His movie Swingers is still one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, launched his career, arguably, as well as Vince Vaughn. Fantastic movie. But writing television is very different than writing movies. Movies, And if you know what to look for, I'm hoping, because this is what it looks like so far. Feels like he just wrote a long movie opposed to writing television episodes. Because within each television episode, there should be structures that accompany in that accompany an episode of television and this felt like it there there were those little marks there but ultimately it felt like it was governed by the first act of a feature film when you think about it this entire movie was written like the first act of a film not a tv show in fact for those people that, that are not in the know Typically, the first act of a movie ends anywhere between 27 to maybe 35 minutes. Yes. That's the end of the first act. That's when you know what the movie's going to be about. You don't know everything, but you know what the movie's going to be about. So-and-so is going to rescue the, 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 the damsel in distress, and uh, he's going to gallop away. And as he gallops away, the bad guys are going to pursue him. That's the movie. Now we, know, we don't know what's going to happen by the end, but we know what the setup is. And that's exactly how this episode ended. Yeah. It, it ended it, right when the first act of your movie should end. Right around that 30-minute mark. And that scared me a bit when I looked down at the running time. I was like, wow, that was really short. And then I'm like, oh, wow, that wasn't just short. That was the first act of a movie. And that's not how you write TV. Because if they do continue to do this, what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of people rip this apart. Because even if people don't understand television writing, let's say they don't know how to do it, yeah. we all are accustomed to how we watch TV and how we watch movies. And yeah. it's going to make us feel weird and uncomfortable when we watch something that doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean and what I mean by feel right, how it's executed, how it's developed, how the 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 flow of the show. So I'm hoping that's just an issue in this first pilot. You know, I'm hoping that's just them trying to get through the kinks to get this story going. And then because they brought Filoni in, we know Filoni knows how to write television. So I'm hoping this was just Favreau's first effort. You know, obviously he's done rewrites. I'm not saying he this is the first draft, but this is his thing. And then Filoni offered his his assistance as the show progresses, because there are some 
massive issues when it comes to how things flow and how things feel. And that's why, that's why also why for me, I'm very happy with this first episode, but I'm not because like, that doesn't make any sense, David. <laughs> I know it doesn't. That's why, the, that's why this, this is really confusing. I, it, well, Dave, it, I think as a story you're trying to say is what was what we're trying not to do is as a star Wars fan, it's fine. It's fine. Well, as a star Wars fan, we liked it because liked there's it. lots of cool star Wars elements, but mm-hmm. as a critic, it wasn't, it wasn't the best moment of television. It wasn't the best moment of television, which it, it was hyped up to be. And that could be due to your own Star Wars, maybe even critical wants, you mm-hmm. know? So, and we'll get into that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the practical effect, the practical effects were some of the best in television production. This is something we've heard since the conception and the announcement of this show. John Favaro has said repeatedly that this is going to be filmmaking 101. You're going to see those classic Star Wars moments the things that still define Star Wars, even in the prequels, even with the new era with Disney, what governs the effects, practical, practical effects. effects, the use of miniatures, the use of real costumes opposed to just completely CGI and characters. Uh, Favreau recently shared that the, Mandal- the Mandalorian will use engine technology, virtual camera work and virtual production for virtual sets and virtual set extensions. So this is going to be a very VFX heavy television show. And I cannot wait to see the VFX breakdowns for the oh, first absolutely. episode. Along with like the practical effects of the V uh, uh, along with that was amazing. This episode. I mean, like when he was walking through the marketplace and you see, <laughs> see the salacious crumb alien, like on the spit and that's an actual Aww. puppet. And you Aww. see the other one just sitting in the cage and he's crying. That's so and, sad. And, and those are puppets. Those are practical effects. They weren't real. They weren't actual <laughs> alien animals. But that, seeing that instead of like along with the VR, the effects in this episode were amazing. Yeah, really good stuff. And the CGI was fantastic. The CGI was fantastic. I think the production quality as well was just it was top notch. All of that was great. Um, in fact, I love that opening sequence as well, which we'll get into that during our spoiler yes. section, which we need to get into in just a moment here. Uh, Dave, let's end this segment with our final thoughts. Do you want to start? You you go first. Okay. You go first because I'm still trying to actually figure out what proper grade I need to give. Okay. You know what, Dave? Can you bring up the RMD scoring so yeah, that so. we can introduce that idea because our scoring system is set up more like Metacritic than it is. Uh, it's very different from Rotten Tomato, correct? Yes. And I'm trying to bring it up right now. Hold up here. All right. Hold on. I was just looking at it last night and now I don't have it. I think I just need to make a hard copy. So it's always on no, it's always the computer. On in, this, in the studio. Hold on. One So the Rain Man digital review score system is our own. It's our own scoring system that we have set up because a lot of times we realize that as critics, we, the network as a whole, not just you and I David, but as a network, many of our hosts view things very differently than some of the mainstream critics who just either a don't know what they're talking about. They don't understand film and television, or they just hate on everything. 
because they want everything to be this stellar art piece. So we put together our own system that now governs our our reviews across the board, whether it be movie reviews, comic books, books, TV shows. So, Dave, before we get into the actual score, my final thoughts. Taking away my Star Wars expectations and only looking at this from a critical standpoint for the time being, the Mandalorian is not world changing. And I wrote this on my Facebook page today, earlier today. Uh, the Mandalorian is not world changing, nor is it even groundbreaking. Uh, fun and exciting, absolutely. Uh, but ultimately, it feels like it's late to the game in an era of beautifully produced original content. And comparatively, it doesn't really stand out. It doesn't. If no. you would take Star Wars out of the name for a second and you were to set this side by side, let's say one of HBO's productions or Cinemax. Cinemax has amazing, amazing shows right now or stars or epics, Hulu, Amazon. And you put this side by side. I feel like this episode does not stand out. And I think that's uh, a shame because this is Star Wars. This is Disney's first piece of original content to be seen by millions and millions of people. And I think that's the only thing that kind of bums me out is, yeah, there are a lot of maybe maybe people can say unfair expectations, perhaps, Dave. Maybe people say can say, well, that's unfair. You know, this is just a show you're putting too much of your wants on it. But I'm not putting my personal wants. I'm looking at the other pieces of original content that we're getting today and putting it and seeing if it lives up to the standard. And it really doesn't. If you mm -hmm. put this to anything Amazon has put out over the last year or HBO over the last couple of years, it just, it pales in comparison. It's not as good as that's not as refined. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you compare this to like the thing about the Mandalorian is you have to compare it, it in regards to what it does for Disney plus you have to regard it. You have to put it up against like stuff like man from high castle. You have and to Amazon and this new era. That's what House you have to, you have Netflix. to, you have to. Yeah. So you're absolutely right, Dave, as a star Wars fan, I think it was awesome and a great start to something that I'm hoping we get more of, but critically I'm probably going to give this, let's see our rating system is as follows. Uh, one through 40% get fisted. It sucks. Thumbs down. 41 to 70% is it's a movie. Thumbs sideways. It's just kind of, hey, it's not bad. It's not good. It's great. Uh, 71 to 90% is hell. Yeah. 91% to 100 is kick ass. It's the best. It's awesome. There's nearly, it's nearly perfect. Um, I'm going to give this a 70%. Critically. Critically? Yeah. All right, Dave, your final thoughts. Surprisingly, me and you are pretty much on the same boat as this. I mean, if if we could, as a Star Wars fan, I would give this a kick-ass, hell yeah, th horns all the way. Yeah. Right? Right. But that's me as a Star Wars fan. Critically, I cannot, I cannot put this up to, say, Breaking Bad. The first episode of Breaking Bad. First episode of Game of Thrones. Or the first episode of... House of Cards, House of Cards. Or the first episode of The Boys. And I can't say that it's better or just as good as any of those. And I feel that it is that runtime that really does hurt it. 
Yeah. That 36 minutes just brings it down. They could have added, let's say they added just 10 minutes, right? Yeah. They could could have slowed things down in between certain areas and given us a little bit more oomph to some of those scenes. To some of those scenes. And then although that would have actually put it into the kick-ass territory. And I was really surprised with at the end of the day when I looked at my score and I graded it. Because everyone knows on in the network that I normally go, it's going to be a hundred. And knowing with like a, a Mandalorian, people were probably thinking that I would automatically give it a hundred. And as I said, as a Star Wars fan, I give it kick ass. Hell, hell yeah. But as a critic, I have to give, I gave it a 75. It's a 75. Yeah. And if, if they gave it that, if they gave it at least 30 more minutes and actually gave it a true time length of a episode, I'd expect out of uh, a major series yeah. that's Dude. supposed to carry your streaming service. Yeah. This was six minutes longer than an episode of Rebels. Yeah. Well, Rebels has some commercials, so let's say 10 minutes longer. That, and, and still, that, that just... it. In fact, season premieres of Rebels is longer than this. It it unfortunately when you do stuff like that it leads to lazy script writing. It really does because yeah. you have to rely on basically bad tropes and everything else and that's what I saw sometimes with those moments when it should have been like oh this is cool it's like a western they're showing it everywhere. Instead I'm looking at like one of the second scenes going oh come on. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Yeah, you, you could have fleshed that out a little bit more. So, but yeah, I still I would give this a hell yeah. But it's not it. It's sad that for me, critically, it's not in the kick ass territory, which it needed to be. For me, my expectation was kick ass territory. Well, even critically, um, taking the Star Wars fan out of it for a second, critically, I just expected Disney to smash it out of the to park. be like this is we this is. This this is go time. Yeah, we need to we need to knock this bitch out the park. It reminds me, and unfortunately, this type of mentality that Disney had with doing this, it reminds me of how they approach all their all of their franchises. Like, say for example, let's do I'm gonna say this, let's do a Star Wars theme park, mm-hmm. but let's do it half ass and only do one ride release and just wait another year to release another ride. That's stupid planning. (laughs) That's not giving the audience their full money's worth. And in television, you got to give your money's worth to the audience or else your audience will just walk away saying, okay, that was cool. See you later. And you know, by episode three, your audience numbers are going to dip. Yeah, the critic re- rating on Rotten Tomatoes for this is ninety percent. I don't understand. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think it deserves a ninety. Uh, yeah. Well, this. But is, I think that remember under, their their ninety is very different than ours. I. I. I their honestly system is feel, weird. Yeah, I honestly feel that their ninety is because fans are so passionate about this series and they love this series. And I'm the same way. I love this series. I hope it does really well. Yeah. No, I, I don't hate it. And I have a lot of ho- high hopes for it. There's a lot of potential. There's a lot of great things. But as an episode of tel- television, television. It, ne- it needs some work. It needs work. It needs a lot of work. <laughs> it needs- 
Yeah, it's 65% on Metacritic, which is more on par with, with us. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes is a little skewed sometimes. So as of right now, Metacritic is giving it a 65. And, I mean, comparatively, here, give me a second. You, you talk for a second so I can pull a couple things up here. And I think that... Comparatively, you have Watchmen, a brand new TV show on HBO, sitting at 85. Yeah. And, and okay, take that for example, right? HBO. When HBO came out, they released Watchmen, and their first episode was fantastic. Was just smash mouth. They said, okay, we're going to do something completely off the wall, give something the audience can chew on, and have them wanting to come back more. During when Watchmen's first episode came out, I saw so many posts and questions. Oh my God, what does this mean? What does this mean? What's, you know, what's going on here? I need to watch more Watchmen. That's what you need to do for a television. But when you get to Mandalorian, everyone is writing. It's very similar. What I see, what I, what I see the audience, especially for Star Wars, reacting to it, I see it very similar to when Phantom Menace came out. You mentioned this off the air, and I think that's a perfect analogy for it. Okay, so comparatively, Netflix, uh, season one and season two for House of Cards, uh, their Metacritic score is 76 and 80. So Metacritic is a little more accurate than Rotten Tomatoes, and Metacritic is sitting at 65% for The Mandalorian. So it seems like our thoughts are on par with, with many of the non skewed critics. Cause yeah. Rotten Tomatoes is just, it's so fucking skewed these days. And again, fans, fans of star Wars out there need to understand we're not bashing Mandalorian. We're not, it's a good, it's a good start. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it should not be held into regard in say like the, the rankings of a breaking bad. Or a so, so this guy gave it okay. So this guy gave it a ninety percent, but this is what he says. It's like he just wants to like it. So though it's a though it's character building leaves something to be desired. So he feels like there's a disconnect there, just like we've been saying with the human element, right? Yes, it needs more character development. Chapter one is a visual feast with enough sense of adventure to inspire hope that the force may be strong with the Mandalorian. And and, and yeah. I mean, that's I a positive that. review, it's but, a positive but review. You're, you're basically said the script isn't good. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and that's not a 90% review. If I, if I were to take his word, I'm going to review his review. If I were to review or break down his thoughts, I'm like, okay, well, it sounds like you have issues with the writing, but you love the f- setup. That's like maybe a 70%. That's maybe a 70%. Maybe a 75%. And that's why I think fans have to temper their expectations yes and that's the point of this review go don't go in thinking it's going to be ground shaking we're all yeah. we're all we're not going to all come and our, our knees are going to be weak you're you're going to wait be disapp- if wait. you go into that you will be disappointed i'm sorry it's <laughs> i see like a lot of star wars fans acting like they did back when phantom menace came out where it's like oh there's the greatest thing since sliced bread and then give it about six months and all of a sudden if it doesn't turn out as much as you like you're gonna look at this and say well this this kind of sucks but then like 10 years later you go you know it was okay <laughs> don't do that <laughs> just basically temper your expectations it's only one episode and Right now, it was a good start. 
but now we we're expecting more out of it come the, episode two and or chapter two and chapter three. The big movie sites are bat, are tearing this up. Now I'm talking now fan sites. Fan sites are loving it. Fan sites are loving it. Geek sites are loving it because they can't see past their own fan stuff. Mm-hmm. Critical sites are are ripping this to shreds. It, it's very much like you know, like I warned fans that basically say, you know what? I love this thing. Uh, I love such and such, and it's the greatest thing and everything else. And I tell them, have you seen it? You lately? tell them, or or, or or I've I've explained to them, have you watched such and such lately? Like me and you talked about it off the air. Willow. All right. Don't you ever bash Willow. I will destroy you. We got to We got to wrap this part of the show. Yes. We got to wrap. Yes. We'll be right back with the spoiler sp- section. Don't go anywhere. This is Star Wars from the Butter Tank Exclusive. So I have confidence in this, but why bring back Captain Phasma again? Let the bitch die. <laughs> you know, she had the opportunity to be such a fucking cool character, right? I think the problem was, was the fact that they hyped her up so much. And then let afterwards, it die. Let it die, David. Yeah. They were like, like, oh, shit. We don't have anything about her. <laughs> they failed twice. Yes. Let's I, I she failed three times. Okay. So them doing it again now in this cartoon, it makes me wonder, is, is Gwendolyn fucking somebody? Is she like giving up the some the goods to stay on board? Is that inappropriate for me to say that, Dave? Get ready for an excitingly good time. Also, if you've missed our last show, you can also find us on your Stitcher app. Search back to take that is to your favorites. Thank you, and we will see you very soon. All right, get more Star Wars from the Back to Tank each and every month when you sign up to be a Patreon pledger. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge $5 or more a month and you will gain access to more Star Wars from the Back to Tank discussions, ranging from book reviews, comic book discussion, and additional topical breakdowns, news, updates, you name it, we do it. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital Pledge. It helps us keep the lights on in the studio. If you don't, we're going to be living in rags like Ray. <laughs> Liar! All right, welcome back, everybody. Star Wars from the back to tank. Let's get into some spoilers. Yeah. All right. So it looks like we're going to be learning about Yoda. <laughs> yep. In some way, because that hook was. Dear Lord. I mean, that's that saved the episode for me. The way the episode ended, I'm like, holy shit. Suddenly, all the expense and this and the army protecting this uh, this bounty and the fact that the Empire or some faction of is after it suddenly makes sense. But. OK, so we're going to learn. Apparently, let me set it up. Jesus, you obviously can tell I'm very excited. I forgot how to do a show. <laughs> so Yoda, we've never learned about Yoda ever. No. We know nothing of him yeah, other than some backstories here and there. But we don't know anything about who he is as a 
who he is, who he was when he was younger, his species, his species. We just know that he's very, 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 very old. Yes. Okay. That's all we know. Well, at the end of this episode, the bounty was a baby. And inside of this crib was a little baby that looked just like Yoda. (laughs) So it looks like we're going there, that we're finally going to explore this species a bit. But Dave, is this something as Star Wars fans, do we want this? Oh, man, this is so And be honest, be honest, Dave, because you know my feelings on it. I feel like some secrets, some mysteries should not be revealed. And one of the greatest mysteries of Star Wars has always been we don't know anything about Yoda. Mystery. I mean, we don't know you, his species and maybe someday we can explore it. But is that time now? Especially, especially when you take into regard how he was created. I mean, George Lucas's words, and I have it here pulled up. So, uh, uh, and this is what he says about Yoda. So he's a mystery character. He's a magical character. He has no background. He comes from, he comes and he goes. He's mm-hmm. the subversive secret, mysterious stranger. Oh, I love that it. Enters the film just to then exit at the end. Mm-hmm. That's what George Lucas explained hit the creation of Yoda. That's his whole basis. He is the mystery character. He's the man with no name. And I see your point. I see your point as a fan on the side that say, let's not know. I don't want to know. Keep a mystery. That's the, that's, that's one of the charm of it all. That's the charm of that character. However, I also understand the need as a fan to know everything about the universe. Okay. So, so you're not answering the question. Is this something you want? I'm going to say, yeah, this is something I want. I'm okay with it, Dave, but I don't know if I'm ready for it. And if they're doing this, I'm on board. I'm on board this show. But now that you have me, because that hook was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. And I'm here now and I'm very involved. Okay. But now you better fucking deliver. Oh, yes. Especially with this. You just went down the route of no return. There is no turning point. You did it. Now take us there. And it better be fucking excellent. It better be it better be awesome. Because if you fuck anything up pertaining to Yoda's what, lineage. What, yeah, his lineage, where he came from, anything about him, you better you better do it right because you don't want to be the TV show that completely destroys one of the greatest characters of all time in television, in literature. Yeah. Essentially, essentially what they're doing is what everyone's afraid of when they first talked about the prequels, delving into the background of Darth Vader. That's fair. I would agree. This, in this regard, we're delving into the background of Yoda. Well, we are assuming that. We are assuming that we're delving into the background of Yoda. We are. But how else can you, what other story are you going to tell? Yes, we're not going to find out about Yoda per se. At least no. we don't know that yet. But his species. But his species, which if you learn about his species, you're going to learn about Yoda. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. We need, uh, if, if we learn anything about this baby character, and from the sound of it too, especially since like I looked up uh, on the Wikipedia they updated uh, Yoda's 
bio. Mm-hmm. His bio. Yeah, his bio. And they basically updated the biology of Yoda and they added the picture of the baby in the uh, Mandalorian. And they basically said that the species life expectancy spans several centuries and they age very slowly, remaining in infancy, infancy form for at least 50 years, 50 standard years. Their brains also possessed a subbrain that activates when having visions. Hmm. Wait, this is all newly updated? Yeah, this is newly updated. So someone, D- Dave, these are real spoilers to me too. We don't, we didn't learn any of this. Yeah, we didn't learn any of this. This is, this is actually stuff I just looked up today and it was on the, uh, updated on the Wikipedia. And okay, if we're going to say that they stay in infancy of 50 years, that means that this baby who at the very end, <laughs> IG-11 makes, hey, it's 50 years old. This is blah, blah, blah. This, so, uh, some creatures bo- uh, age differently than other humans. And he made the, con- he made the, he made the, uh, the, the, the statement that the creature is 50 years old. This creature is going to grow into a fully grown mature creature. Yeah. Really fast. Okay. So it's an important character. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the biggest spoilers of the show. What else do we have in there? The best cat. How important is that to oh, dude, I Mandalorian so, culture? I was so happy that they brought this up just as a Mando flan, Mando flan, Mando fan. Hmm. Because what's that, a Mando flan? <laughs> the Beskar steel is actually really important to Mandalorians, especially when you take it, con- uh, take it into context that, the last time we saw Beskar Steel come into a storyline mm-hmm. was Star Wars Rebels. When they introduced the weakness to the Beskar Steel was the arc pulse generator created by Sabine Wren. Mm. And the Mandalorians had to get rid of the Beskar Steel because the Empire used the arc pulse generator to wipe them out. And that that's so why it's would, important. It's important. Okay. Because like, this is an important uh, relic to all the Mandalorians that they had to give up. And that's why the client said it's only fitting that this goes back into the possession to of a Mandalorian. A Mandalorian. Okay. And that's why I got, I, I, I got like, I got reminded from the rebel uh, rebels uh, season when they focused on the Mandalorian culture and how, that entire culture, those houses were devastated that they had to give up their armor and their the Beskar steel to the Imperials because if they didn't, all the Imperials would do would just superheat them with the arc pulse generator and kill all of them. All right, just so Dave, them. anything else uh, that is relevant, you think, to talk about for the spoilers? Because uh, we ended up covering a lot in the regular show. Spoiler-wise... I mean, the Mandalorian stuff was fantastic. The, the foundling. Is that anything we the need to talk about? Was that ever? That there was, was never, never a, any mention of foundlings. Okay. And we're assuming they're what they call their young. Yes. Okay. And it's a, it's a Mandalorian culture thing. Yeah. They're really trying to rewrite Mandalorian culture because you got to remember. You mean the, rewrite it from the old retcon. From the old retcon. Right. Yeah. Because there's so much in the EU. Oh, yeah, there was a huge history and everything about the Mandalorians yeah, was already changed written. a lot, yeah. They gave all that stuff up. And now they're trying to pull it back in and basically say, okay, let's try to revamp it. 
refresh it. Well, luckily, Filoni's involved, and Filoni did wonders in Clone oh, Wars yeah. with it. I know there's some fans that are kind of not sure about it still. Like, well, I don't really know. I don't really like what he did. It was awesome in the uh, old expanded universe, and he kind of changed it. And I'm like, well, you know, it, it is what it is. It is what it I, is. I, I'm okay with it, but. All right, Dave. Well, I think this actually does conclude our discussion. Then, if we're if we are done, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, spoilery type things that would ruin the story, except <laughs> no. for the the green baby at the end. The that was the baby. biggest, and just a lot of like the little, I think, nods to the past uh, movies, like little tiny Easter eggs, like the use of the Gardenian in the very beginning, the noodle noodle nose alien. In the very beginning. Yeah, I agree. That was cool. Yeah. Some of the aliens that we got to see, some of the, I love the, that speeder scene that was just ripped from New Hope when he's he's going across the, he's riding on the beat up speeder and that beat up speeder is just going across the ice. It so reminded me of New Hope watching Luke and Obi-Wan in their speeder scene going across the desert. It was a, It was a great callback to that. And I think that that's, Ultimately, a A plus for Favreau and Filoni with this episode is like they really wanted to show us that they're not forgetting Star Wars, what made Star Wars fun. Not what not not what it's history or anything, but the feel of Star Wars, the soul. Yeah, we mean you talk about how it Star Wars has a soul. Mm-hmm. And I do think that this episode captured the soul of Star. Yeah, Wars. no, I agree. I agree with that. All right, Dave. Well, this does conclude our discussion. Our discussion. discussion. Our discussion on the very first episode of The Mandalorian. This is history. This is and was history in the making. We have now finally witnessed our very first episode of Star Wars, of a live action Star Wars series. And I am excited and happy to see ultimately where all this goes, Dave. All right. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Please leave us reviews. If you want to get more Star Wars from the back to tank each and every single month, you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Just search Star Wars from the back to tank. Also, Patreon. If you want three shows a month opposed to just our regular two, you can get an additional bonus show every single month by subscribing to our Patreon paid page. Go to patreon.com slash Rain Digital. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Ah, yes.